Welcome to foreverfit.tv, your online source for fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle. With your host, Nicola Riley, personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach, here to help you get in the best shape of your life. Hey, welcome to foreverfit.tv. I'm Nicola Riley, your online personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach. And I've just finished an absolutely beautiful walk this morning. It's super sunny outside feel fantastic just done my foam rolling I've got some really tight hips so I've just been getting right in there with the lacrosse ball that we got given so it's um you'll see in the online gym I've had a guest post come in from Gina Durenzo who's a physio based out of Wellington and she's done a guest blog post all about Achilles um tendonite like Achilles tendon problems and she's um, really big on using like lacrosse balls and foam rolling so I've been getting right in there with a lacrosse ball usually I've been using like a tennis ball sometimes a golf ball but I didn't use a lacrosse ball so this is something that's really um, quite a different experience and man is it so it's been so good for my hips can get riding it right into my glutes and things so this is something that I love just doing each morning gets right into my shoulders as well so because I spend quite a lot of time at the computer using that lacrosse ball right up into my shoulders each morning is just such a fantastic way to start my day and I'm just <laughs> lying there rolling around on the floor with a podcast on or watching some form of YouTube video that's inspiring me for my morning. A lot of those YouTube videos I watch are real um, business orientated, just um, helping you get in the right mindset and um, yeah, just really, really cool, positive way to start your day and when I add that in with my phone rolling just sets me up really good. I'm energized, focused and set for my morning. So I've just finished that and I am all set for this podcast this morning. So um, quite a few new posts that I've written this week in the online gym. The first one I have written about is um, like magnesium. I got a question is from a listener and it was all about are we really deficient in magnesium and do we need to be taking magnesium? And the thing is, magnesium is what is the second most um, deficient mineral in our bodies, right next to it is vitamin D. And magnesium is crucial for regulating over 300 enzymes and reactions in our body. And unfortunately, due to the magnesium in our soils being depleted over the years because our soil has changed from the soil that it was 100 years ago uh, um, with all the building, concrete buildings, the change of the soils, the population of um, plants that have been planted in our soil, they're getting, the soil is getting depleted of the minerals that were there. So um, I can't remember where I heard it, but the lettuce that was um, eaten 100, 100 years ago, you'd have to be eating about 20 lettuces today to get the equivalent minerals that that lettuce would have provided you back back in our ancestral days. So our soils have completely changed, and so that means the mineral content of our foods have changed as well. And that being said, magnesium is is one of the most um, deficient minerals that we have in our bodies. The reason why this is so powerful is because magnesium plays a crucial role in your absorption of your calcium levels, plays a crucial role in the way that your body is able to absorb vitamin D. It, it make, 
it's a, it's just a crucial role in almost every other um, reaction that your body goes through. So making sure that you get enough magnesium into your diet is something that's really important. Um, most of us have really high calcium levels in our, in our body in relation to the magnesium. And basically you want to aim to have about a one-to-one ratio between the two. And due to the amount of fortified foods we have and due to the huge focus that everybody has on trying to consume calcium-rich foods, we're getting the imbalance of magnesium into us. For example, um, you know, dairy is something that is constantly being told to us that we need to be having because of the calcium, because of the calcium. But dairy has a ratio of seven to one for calcium to magnesium. And so right there, if you're trying to eat, eat foods that are really high in calcium, you're getting, you're not getting enough magnesium for you to be able to get the good balance between the two and for it to be able to do the right processes that are in your body. So when we're eating a diet that's balanced and it's got a balance of the right magnesium to calcium, that's when you're going to get the healthy bones, that's when you're going to get the healthy heart, muscles, recovery, brain um, power and everything like that. So just as we need calcium in our diet, we also need to make sure that we're getting enough magnesium as well. And a lot of the magnesium out there as well is is really hard for you to absorb when you take it orally. And because of this, if you have any sort of digestive problems or a leaky gut, um, this is where taking um, magnesium transdermally can have a really powerful way for you to absorb um, the magnesium into your body. So there's different ways that different magnesiums out there and different ways that you can take it orally or transdermally. The other thing as well is that when you are, if you do have a damaged gut, it can make um, absorbing the magnesium and the the any other minerals quite difficult. So it's really important that you do do like a combination of like a transdermal and an oral magnesium, and that you want to. This is the only way that you can really increase magnesium in your body. The other thing to understand is that there's different. Um, different uh, qualities of magnesium out there and this is something that I go into in the online gym about what sort of brands you should be taking, where to get your supplements from, exactly what sorts because there are so many supplements out there that you might see um, magnesium citrate, you might see magnesium oxide, you might see magnesium um, gluconate, you might see all sorts of different magnesiums out there and you get really confused what to take. Not only that, you might see magnesium mixed with calcium and with zinc, or you might see just different combinations of magnesium, you might see an advert on the TV. And inside the online gym I go in to explain basically exactly what magnesiums you should be consuming and how you can restore the magnesium levels in your body. And the reason this is really important, because um, magnesium is really powerful for a relaxation of your muscles it's a big way of transporting energy around your body it's involved in production of protein in your body and cell function it helps reduce inflammation it's involved in improving the oxygenation and the aerobic performance so if you're constantly feeling like you get really tired with workouts or you can't work out magnesium will help you with this helps relieve bloating, insomnia, leg swelling, muscle twitching, um, weight gain. It also helps prevent like cardiovascular disease, prevent aging. Um, it can improve headaches and migraines, improve asthma, depression, high blood pressure. It's involved in so many different processes that go in your body. 
And um, if you're deficient in magnesium, some of the um, signs and symptoms might be like you're insulin resistant, you get um, highs and lows in your blood sugar, fatigue, confusion, muscle twitching, like really poor memory, inability to focus or learn things, you get irritable, um, muscle weakness, you get sleepiness, um, but have a hard time falling asleep, you get restlessness, or you might have a really like busy mind and you find it really hard to fall asleep. So there are certain things that you can get into your diet that help improve your magnesium and like anything it always starts with your food and so you want to make sure that you're getting some really good magnesium rich foods into your diet but at the same time making sure that you've got really good digestive health so that you're able to absorb those magnesiums in there and the reason why this is so powerful that you get magnesium from your foods first is because it comes in with all your other minerals and vitamins that help you absorb magnesium because Minerals don't just work by themselves, they need different cofactors for them to be activated, for them to be able to be absorbed and for them to be able to be delivered to the cells in your body. So this is why it always starts with real food and it always starts making sure your digestive health is really well. So once you've got that in place, this is where you start to add things like seafood, sea, seaweed, sorry, like um, using like nori and kelp and dulse to add more magnesium to your diet. Not only that, you're going to be adding in more calcium and more um, iodine into your diet. Oysters are really high in magnesium, pumpkin seeds. And one of the richest sources of magnesium is cacao. And this is why I love chocolate and why chocolate, homemade chocolate, or really high quality bought chocolate that is made with cacao that you can see in, in the ingredients that it's at least 80% cacao and it's sweetened with either coconut sugar or honey and um, you want to try and avoid it if it's got a soy lecithin in it as well so this is why I you know, it can get really hard to find a good quality cacao in the market. So making sure, just making your own, get a hold of some cacao powder, mix it up with some coconut oil and some honey, put it in the fridge and voila, you have beautiful chocolate for you to snack on. Other food sources that are really high in magnesium is bone broth, flaxseed, fish, salmon, Brazil nuts, buckwheat and millet, so some gluten-free grains, almonds, cashew nuts, bananas, leeks, kales, Himalayan rock salt, and then getting in your green powders, so things like spirulina, wheatgrass, and um, chlorella. So these are really simple ways for you to start to add more magnesium to your diet and get the benefits of magnesium. Like I said, our soils have changed, and so paying attention to getting enough magnesium is, is a really good thing for you to do, and it's going to help with um, brain function and just an all-round feeling better. So that's something I've written about in the online gym and I go into way more detail about all the different um, information. And then like I said, I've also had a guest post come in. Um, I've had this um, physio based out of Wellington. She's come in and written some a fantastic post all about Achilles tendon pain and exercises for mobility and mobility work for you to help relieve this. She also did some videos on ITB, um, re like releasing ITB tension and also hip mobility as well. So make sure you get into the online gym and check out those posts. Then um, I've also done a brand new 
hip workout as always always a new hip workout in the online gym so this one was 15 minutes long and love the old kettlebell we've done it was a wicked workout real functional movement with the kettlebell i had a lot of requests from people wanting more kettlebell workouts so there you go it's awesome it's tough um real dynamic full functional exercises and you're done and dusted in 15 minutes so we're combining weight training with that high intensity work and it's really powerful then i've also done another longer version of a power yoga this one was incredible like i know i say this each time but seriously just getting that relaxation and strength and power into your day like don't get me wrong, I feel tired after I've done a power yoga, but it's an energized, calm, sort of tired, and it's just up, you feel uplifted. Um, you don't feel like you've thrashed your body quite as much as you would in a HIIT workout, and you feel just so much more relaxed and just chilled out. My voice, I've even calmed down my voice just thinking about power yoga. So, do make sure that you do get some yoga into your week. I, there are so many different yogas that I do have in the online gym. I've got Ashram Yoga, Raiho Yoga. These are both really perfect for beginners. And they are like, because they're much gentler moves, slower sequences, and they um, have a lot of rest in them as well. Then I've got the Power Yoga, which is just slightly more complicated moves, more powerful, and they range in variations from 8 minutes through to 15 through to 30, 40 minutes. Then I've also got um, release yoga. So this combines Tai Chi, Pilates, yoga moves, and um, like lots of stretching and hip opening work. And so this is around a 30-minute class and just... It's a much gentler class compared to the power yoga, but equally it's, it's incredible because you're combining the stretching and some Tai Chi with it, so really good. And then just some yoga um, workouts. Also, like the Ashram Yoga as well is much more gentle, and this is great for somebody who may have sort of like, say you've got arthritis in your wrists or you've got some um, back pain or hip problems and you're just wanting to get some gentle movement, this is what the Ashram Yoga is really good for. So lots of different variations of the yoga and I do encourage you to get some really good power, um, any sort of yoga into your week and you'll just really notice the difference of how you feel. So this week I wanted to talk to you um, all about sleep and um, the why sleep is so important. Um, sleep is incredibly underestimated the power that it has on your body um, if you're having a hard time falling asleep or you're waking in the middle of the night you're waking up feeling tired or you're just not feeling good the thing is what you need to look for is understand like the root cause of why you aren't sleeping and get down to the bottom of it and the number one place for you to start if you're struggling with your sleep is to look at your environment. Look at everything around you that is affecting the way that you fall asleep. Because our body works in rhythms. There is no way of getting around this. We work in rhythms with the way that the moon comes up, the sun comes up. Our body is designed to um, hormonally be affected by the light and by the dark. And no matter what you do, you cannot fight this. And as soon as you start fighting this, this is when you're going to start to feel tired. Your body's going to start to say, oi, you, you're, you're messing with nature. 
stop it otherwise we're going to get run down and exhausted so you have to start with the environment that you're living the lifestyle that you're living and you have to start to um, get back to the rhythms that your body is naturally designed to run it's your we also run seasonally as well so in the summer it's really important that you get to bed two hours after sunset so summer and winter, you always try and get to bed two hours after sunset. So in the summer, this means that you get to bed later. So say the sun sets at um, 8.30, that means you can get to bed at, say, 10.30. If the sun is setting in the winter at 6.30, you want to be in bed by 8.30. In the winter, we're designed to sleep longer hours, 10 hours, 11 hours sleep per night. And in the summer, you can sleep shorter hours. This is what your body's naturally designed to do. But what we do is we mess this up. The other th important thing is there was studies done back in the 1900s of um, people when they were sleeping. And they, um, in this, over a period of that lifetime, they, they in the 1900s, those people lived until... The, until they, they were in their hundreds, you know, really, they lived a really long time, but they also slept half of their lifetime. Today, we're sleeping a third of our lifetime and we are living shorter lives. So sleep is one of those really powerful things that's not only going to help you age better, it's going to help you um, live longer and it's going to help you repair and recover your body. But it doesn't mean that you should be going to bed, you know, at 8.30 in the summer, but it does mean that you adjust your life according to the seasons and according to what's going on outside because that's what your body naturally wants to do. And when you start to fight that, that's when you're going to start to feel exhausted and when you're going to start to feel um, the effects of that as well. The other thing to understand is that the hours before midnight, so for every two hours before midnight, your body um, is worth an hour after midnight. So making sure that you get to bed before midnight and two hours after sunset is the most valuable time that you can you know, really pay attention to, because too, too often we get really wound up, we've got so much to achieve in this day, but if you were just to get to bed, that means you'd wake up earlier in the morning and you can get those kind of things done, but too often we um, go to bed later, we wake up later, and then we are chasing ourselves that entire day, but if you actually switch it around and you start to get to bed sooner, you're going to be able to wake up early and you're going to have a more productive day. And the other thing as well that really affects your sleep is the amount of things that you're exposing yourself to in the evening as well that's winding you up. Because our hormones play such a crucial role in our sleep and the way that we feel, making sure that we are creating the environment to help with those hormones is really important. So it starts with environment. And... The thing is to understand is that, number one, you have this hormone called cortisol. Cortisol is something that naturally spikes in the morning. So as soon as you wake up and there's sunlight on in your eyes and on your skin, this is when naturally cortisol peaks. And then throughout your day, cortisol naturally um, goes down. And then until the evening, cortisol is at its lowest. And when cortisol is at its lowest, that's when melatonin is produced. And that's when you start to feel sleepy. And that's when you're able to fall asleep. 
when you start to mess with this and when you start to turn lights on in the evening, when you exercise in the evening, late in the evening, when you're exposed, you're sitting on your computer in the evening, when you are stressed and wound up in the evening, basically you are spiking your cortisol levels, you're stressing your body out and you're affecting your body's ability to produce melatonin and this all happens in your gut and when melatonin isn't able to be produced you're going to have like that second wind you're going to be um, tired but wired and you're going to have a really hard time falling asleep because melatonin is your sleep hormone the other thing that affects this as well is that um, for some people they may like feel like they're awake or they might like raise their blood sugar levels in the evening, they might spike cortisol and they might stimulate the body. This is really important to understand because this is when um, your food plays a really powerful role in the production of your cortisol and your melatonin as well. If you're eating a really high sugar meal in the evening or you're eating too late to bedtime, you should, you, you're going to spike your cortisol levels, you're going to spike your blood sugar levels, and then that's going to cause them to plummet and crash, and that's going to be where you're going to wake up at, say, 2am in the morning, you're going to feel wired and have a hard time falling asleep, and you're most probably going to get, like, a glycemic crash. This is really common for people who might have wine in the evening or have an alcoholic drink in the evening. They get that real high blood sugar crash. They then, they get sleepy, they um, fall asleep, but then they're popping out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning because of that um, glycemic crash. And when your blood sugars crash, your cortisol levels spike. So this is where you're going to get a fluctuation in the amount of REM sleep that you're getting, which is your recovery sleep. And this is where you're going to be tossing around all night and wake up feeling completely unrested. And you're going to be reaching for your caffeine in the morning. You're going to be chasing caffeine and sugar all day. And then you're going to repeat that cycle. The other thing to understand is that for every um, hour that you lose sleep, you lose two to four hours of productivity the next day. When you're tired, you basically completely start to shut down your insulin production and you start to crave more carbs and carbohydrates. So when you're tired, you're going to be that person that's reaching for sugar, reaching for caffeine, and you're going to be chasing that hit all day. So sleep is really powerful in helping you reset your leptin levels, helping you um, stabilize your blood sugar levels, helping you normalize your cortisol rhythms and helping you um, get the whole rhythm back into your body so you don't end up chasing carbs, you don't end up having to chase caffeine and you don't end up having to constantly be chasing that next fix and then you hit the evening and then you have this massive um, spike in energy and you have a hard time falling asleep. So you can see with this kind of cycle, you're basically constantly fighting nature and you're constantly fighting the way that your body wants to work. So the timing of your, your food is really crucial and the types of food that you eat before bed is really crucial as well. You want to make sure that you're eating a good two to four hours before bed and not right before you go to bed. The reason being is because when you eat food... This naturally requires energy from your body to metabolize and for it to digest your food. You then want to allow your body to um, utilize that food so it can start to wind down and um, you're able to recover and repair. If you're eating, when you're eating as well, there's also um, a boost in your energy because food's supposed to um, build energy as well in your body. 
The other thing to understand is when you're eating and you're consuming food, you're basically affecting your body's ability to produce melatonin. Melatonin has to happen when you're like it's happening in your gut and if your gut is busy digesting and producing food or digesting and metabolizing food it's going to have a hard time um, activating melatonin which is going to help you sleep so when you um so say the first step is going to be at 10 p.m in the in the summer or in the winter and so that means that your last meal needs to be at seven o'clock or even six o'clock so nothing afterwards that means no little snacks that means no little sugar because all these little things are going to affect your body's ability to produce melatonin going to affect your body's ability to um, fall asleep to unwind and recover so the other thing to understand is that if you're having a really low-carb dinner, often you're going to reach for something sweet, and that's going to spike your insulin, spike your cortisol, and this is going to mean that you're going to wake up around 2 or 4 a.m. So instead of reaching for a snack, you need to think about why is this happening in the first place? Why am I cra craving a snack after dinner? There... Oh. Cravings are a symptom from your body that something's out of whack, that there's something was missing from your diet, or that you might have an intolerance to something, or um, that there might there's something going on at a, bit, at a deeper level. So when you have your meals, your meals should be satisfying, they should be well-rounded, you should feel a sense of well-being, you shouldn't feel hungry, and you shouldn't have cravings after the, afterwards. In a, in a healthy person, you wouldn't need a snack. So... This, the problem is that there is we there's so many of us aren't healthy and there's no such thing as perfect health and so we we do get cravings and we do get that feeling of wanting something a little bit sweet after dinner so this is where it comes around to number one making sure that you have a really good well-rounded dinner and that dinner is meeting like your metabolic demands it's got the right healthy proteins fats and carbohydrates in there and that you feel satisfied after that. If you are craving sweets and things afterwards, then you need to start to look back at what has happened earlier in your day because you do not want to be waking up at 2 or 3 a.m. because of blood sugar level spikes. And this is what's going to happen if you are going to be reaching for sweet foods after dinner or trying to fix the sugar, sugar hit or fix the, the missing link that has happened throughout your day. So if this is happening for you, first you've got to start at what happened at breakfast. This is going to dictate all of your circadian hormones throughout the entire rest of your day. And so you need to first start by looking at having a really big breakfast. This is going to balance out your circadian hormone rhythms and it's also going to help set you up and help set up your metabolism for the day. If you have a big breakfast, you then start to pay attention to the other foods throughout the day so you don't need to snack before bedtime. The whole reason you're thinking that you need a snack is because of the, these hormones ghrelin and leptin. The signaling, signaling is completely out of whack and all of a sudden they're getting cues that something's not right and something need needs to be fixed. So you need to replace the signaling that's happening between ghrelin and leptin. And this is where having a really big breakfast is going to help balance them out and you won't get that signaling happening. Basically, ghrelin is a hormone that's telling you that you're hungry and leptin is a hormone that tells you that you're full. So say you have dinner at 6pm and you get hungry at 9pm. First, you've got to ask yourself, why are you hungry after eating only a couple of hours ago? 
What did you eat for dinner that wasn't enough to sustain you? Maybe you didn't eat enough, maybe your lunch wasn't enough, or maybe you missed breakfast or your breakfast simply wasn't enough protein. Then what happened in your day that affected this? What can you do to make this situation better? First, you want to start off by having a big breakfast, and this means you've got to get protein into that breakfast. Absolutely no question, is there no point in having a sugary muesli with some milk on it, some fruit juice. This is just the most ridiculous breakfast, it's going to set you up for cravings, it's going to set you up for sugar highs throughout the day, trouble falling asleep and weight gain. You have to have protein in your breakfast. If it wasn't around 100,000 years ago, don't eat it. And you shouldn't be getting hunger cues after only eating three hours ago or even two hours ago. Food is food is fuel. It does, it's supposed to fuel you with energy, and it's supposed to sustain you. And it's supposed to, and it lasts a lot longer than we give it credit to. Often we eat because we think it's that time, or we think we should be eating every couple of hours. Start to listen to your hunger signs, start to listen to your intuitive body and start to listen to what your body needs at that time. Initially starting something like this, you're going to find it really hard to um, stop, ha stop habits, so you might find it hard to stop eating something after dinner. But when you do do this and you don't eat three hours before going to bed in the evening, you're going to wake up starving and this is the whole point. Breakfast is designed to fuel your body with purpose, energy, and set you up for the most amazing day. It's designed to set up that whole beautiful relationship between the ghrelin and the leptin. It's supposed to stabilize your blood sugar. It's supposed to give your body energy, and it's supposed to set you up so that there isn't going to be cravings throughout the day. So you're going to be really um, have the most stable energy, mood, emotions, and everything. So really paying attention to getting that balance right to start with. And like I said, it might be hard in the first few days, week, whatever, just getting the balance right because you're so used to having snacks after dinner or having dinner really late and then you're waking up not feeling hungry at all. But when you start this rhythm, you're going to start to notice that you wake up out of bed earlier. You're going to be a person that wakes up earlier in the morning. You're going to, when you wake up early in the morning, you're naturally going to get sleepier earlier in the evening and when you start to follow this this pattern you're going to start to become more productive and just feeling much better about the day and feeling more energized the other thing to understand as well is food sensitivities you can get stimulated by foods that you're sensitive to addicted to and reacted to and so if you're eating say for example you're eating dairy and your body can't tolerate dairy and you have a little bit of yogurt and berries after dinner this could be um, spiking your cortisol levels, spiking your blood sugar levels, basically stressing your body out. You're falling asleep. You might fall asleep, but then again, you're waking up from a huge blood sugar crash about three or four o'clock in the morning. So food sensitivities are something that are really fantastic for you to start to um, eliminate foods and start for you to um, work out what foods that your body's able to um, handle and foods that are right for you as well. So if and the way that you do this is there's all these information in the online gym. I've got like rotation diets, I've got um, diet plans, I've got all the tools for you to help to work out food sensitivities, help for you to work out what foods you're reactive to as well. So that's um, 
Another thing that can affect the power of your sleep, and also nuts and seeds as well. If you have any sort of leaky gut, IBS, or any sort of um, problems in your body, the um, properties inside the nuts and seeds, when they aren't soaked or activated properly, can affect, again, your cortisol levels, can cause stress on your body, and can affect your body's ability to go to sleep as well. So some really cool tricks for you to help kick that little snack that you really want after dinner is... Um, the first thing that I love to do is while I'm having dinner, because I'm someone who used to, I always used to reach for a snack after dinner. You always used to just need that thing after dinner and I'd have it far too close to bed and it would affect my sleep. So um, I know the feeling of wanting to just eat that little sweet thing after dinner, but when I got to understand why it was so important for me to not eat after dinner. This is when I was able to be strong and put some things in place to help me get to sleep and help me recover my gut, help me produce that melatonin and get a really good night's sleep. And it makes such a huge difference when you have the education behind it and the reasons for doing it because then you don't just think of that little short-term little fix. You're thinking, no, I want the long-term results from this and I'm able to push through that craving. And eventually those cravings will disappear. So the thing I love to do is while I'm having while I'm getting my dinner ready, I pour I boil the jug and I get a peppermint tea ready. Peppermint tea is fantastic for helping with digestion and peppermint also helps reduce cravings in your mouth as well. And so this is something that I have ready pretty much as to drink on as soon as I've finished my dinner and it's just something that I'll sip on the evening. I make a big plunger of it and it's just a drink that I sip straight after dinner and I just um, sip on it until bedtime. And it just, it basically, I just have absolutely no cravings and it just makes me, um, makes help, the peppermint helps me digest the foods and it means that I'm able to just fall asleep much sooner and peppermint actually helps to relax the body as well. The other thing that's a really powerful thing to do as well is take a teaspoon of coconut oil, put it in your mouth, this is after dinner, take that teaspoon of coconut oil, put it in your mouth, fill it in your mouth and like swish it around, sort of run it through your teeth and just that type of feeling is going to help reduce cravings as well. It's also going to help um, satisfy you and make you feel a lot fuller and it can also help regulate your cortisol and help stabilise your blood sugar levels as well. So... Um, the other thing to do as well is just to um, get away from the kitchen, get away from things and just take your mind elsewhere. So it might mean that you um, you might do a little bit of work. If you're doing um, having dinner at 6 o'clock, you might have time to do a little bit of work before you start to wind down. You might read a book, you might get outside. Just doing something to take your mind off that food and take your mind off that that craving or that little sweet thing that you might get after dinner. So just distract yourself and just find little wee tricks that you can get through that first initial phase of um, having those late night snacks before bed. And it's going to make a huge difference and you're going to start to sleep like a queen (laughs) and get that real good recovery sleep. Um, coming back to like food sensitivities as well, the other cool way to make to check whether or not you've got a food sensitivity is using a thing called a pulse test. And this is where first you need to understand what your natural pulse rate is and what your resting pulse rate is. And when you eat foods that um, 
aren't right for your body. Your pulse rate can actually go up to 12, 15, even 20 beats after you've eaten this. And this is a really good indication of that food having an inflammatory response in your body. So uh, you don't have to go out and spend a whole lot of money getting really expensive um, food intolerance testers. You can actually do it at home. And I myself feel my body getting hotter I feel like my temperature increasing and I can almost feel the pulse in my neck when I eat a food that isn't right for me so when you start to pay attention and you start to listen to your body you're able to really notice when foods are fueling you and when foods are having their reaction in your body so just starting to pay attention you're going to help you're going to start to understand how your body naturally works and how you can work out whether or not you're sensitive to certain foods and some people are sensitive to to um, really high glycemic carbs so when eating like rice or sweet potatoes you might feel quite physically full but then your heart rate might go up and your body temperature increases so these are all little things that you can start to pay attention to one of the best tests that you can do for like working out whether or not you are intolerant to a food and it's affecting your sleep is, is to cut out all common irritating foods and cut them out for a good 30 days, take notes on how you feel, and then you can reintroduce it, and you're going to notice whether or not that food's having a reaction in your body as well. This is crucial for you to understand, because food sensitivities, whether you've got leaky gut, immune system firing, or food particles, um, sorry, immune system dysfunction, all of these kind of things, they affect... Um, your gut health so and if you haven't got good quality gut health this is where your melatonin produced and your um, your stomach acid levels so your HL levels and your digestive systems are all required for you to break down food, food particles and so when you haven't got the good quality digestive system happening when you aren't able to digest and break down your foods you're going to cause the stress response in your body and this is going to affect the production of your melatonin as well so some so the best way to also make sure that you are um, producing adequate levels of your enzymes and your foods as well is to make sure that number one you sit down to eat your food that you chew your food because the first part of digestion helps starts with chewing your food and producing that saliva turning your food into liquid and then eating it and swallowing so if you have any sort of like gassing or burping or um, protein digestive issues or you're you're having poop problems you're having gas headaches nausea these are all signs that you're not digesting your foods properly and again this is going to increase your cortisol levels and so this is where you might want to start just to again look at the environment that you are um, putting your body under each day are you sitting down to eat your meals are you chewing your food are you slowing down when you eat your meals when you um, are creating a stress response in your body so if you are um, you know, your energy's up, you're wired and you're eating, you're basically working in your sympathetic nervous system. So this means you're uh, in your flight or fight response. Your body is, um, your heart rate's increasing, your cortisol's up and you're ready to sprint away from the tiger. This is not what your body needs to be in to digest foods. You need to be in your parasympathetic nervous system. You need to be relaxed. You need to be chilled out so that your body can activate the digestive enzymes in your body, can activate HCL, and it can um, help you digest the foods. If you haven't got good HCL levels, there's some there's some good digestive things that you can do, and a really cool home remedy that you can do is 
using ginger and having something like ginger tea or a ginger shot and this can be something that can help you activate your um, HCL levels and help with um, producing the enzymes that help you break down food as well and little things like having some kombucha or some bone broth or having fermented foods all of these things are also going to help with the digestive of your food as well and again this does play such a huge importance because it's very seldom that someone has just got a sleep problem sleep problems are always linked to your gut they're linked to your environment they're linked to the way that you're eating foods the types of foods that you're eating and the way that you're digesting foods so if you aren't breaking down your proteins you aren't getting enough amino acids l-tryptophan is the it's what makes your serotonin and this is the serotonin is what affects the mood what affects your um, the way you feel and serotonin is required for the production of melatonin and melatonin is required for your sleep so if you aren't breaking down your proteins you're not getting your amino acids you break down your proteins by making sure that you sit down to eat your foods you relax around your foods you chew your food you appreciate your food you allow that food to be digested and you rest after having that food so all of these things like I said they affect your melatonin that's required for sleep people who have the worst digestion so if you have any sort of digestive problems you have the worst sort of melatonin levels and you are going to have troubles falling asleep there's a huge relationship between your melatonin and your um, digestion so cortisone is like a suppressor of um, histamine and a lot of people who have like a, a an imbalance between your anaerobic and your aerobic bacteria um, have leaky gut and they might have like cell permeability so it's, um, when this happens this is going to cause like your circadian rhythm to get completely out of whack and instead of having like a super active um, hormone system during the day this is going to be the complete opposite so often when you have a histamine activation it can cause reactions in the brain and it can create the brain to shut down and so this is when you get a complete rhythm dysfunction you're going to have like brain fog in the day but then in the evening you're going to be feel wired and um, wide awake and this is where melatonin is a problem because this is what's created in your gut and all this has been affected because of the axis between your gut and your brain has been affected. And this axis between your gut and your brain is basically like a highway. And if your gut isn't functioning properly, the highway is broken. And, and this is where you're going to cause an Im imbalance between your natural hormone levels throughout your day. And you're going to have that decrease in melatonin in the evening. So so many people have um, like racing thoughts in the evening, they have um, that wired response, they're waking up in the evening, they have a hard time falling asleep, all those sorts of things. These are all circadian rhythm dysfunctions. And so cortisol, like I mentioned, is the awakening hormone, melatonin is your sleep hormone. So if cortisol is high, melatonin is low. If you get a second wind at the night, this is a really good indication that melatonin is low and that you have that cortisol upside down curve. And so basically your circadian rhythm is, is messed up, so you need to be starting to bring back that balance. So the way that you bring back this balance is 
like I mentioned, number one, you've got to start with your environment. You've got to get the balance right in your environment. You've got to start to get the better lifestyle happening and a better diet happening. So you've got to work out what foods are right for your body. You've got to make sure that you have a really big protein-rich breakfast. And you've got to make sure that you don't eat too late. So three hours before bed, even four hours is even better. So if you have dinner at six o'clock and you're going to bed at 10 o'clock or you know, you're going to bed at nine o'clock and falling asleep by 10 in the summer and in the winter you're going to bed even earlier in that. 8.30 might seem like a really early time, but this is what your body's designed to do. You're designed to go to sleep when the sun goes down and wake up when the sun comes up. And this is what's going to help you um, be less, um, like crave less sugar, crave less carbs, and you're going to become a much happier and healthier person to be around. If you were, if your goal is to be losing weight, and all you were to focus on is your sleep, you will be amazed at the results that happen. The just by st- putting your focus on something outside of your diet and into the environment that you live in, you're going to end up eating less. You're going to end up eating healthier because you are eating your bigger breakfast. You're not eating late at night. You're not spiking your cortisol levels. You're getting your hormones all in balance. And just by focusing on your sleep alone, you're going to put all these little amazing healthy habits in place and you're going to start to get the benefits of not only a powerful sleep, but you're also going to start to get the, the recovery and the effects with your weight as well. So the other thing to understand is that your circadian rhythm is controlled by the sun. So the, the UV that you get from the sun, if you don't get light throughout the day, this is going to affect certain proteins that are in your brain and it's going to activate, which activate the, um, like your circadian cycle within your body. You need to make sure that you're spending half an hour out in the sun per day. So this means you're taking a break from electronics, you're chilling out, and you're just stepping outside and allowing yourself to be a human, getting the light in your eyes, getting light on your body, and allowing yourself to naturally soak up those vitamin D um, rays. This is so important because you, you need the exposure of the light to stimulate the natural hormone levels in your body and then you also need the contrast of the dark for them to be um for the hormones to be activated for you to be able to sleep fall asleep at night so if you don't get the light and you if you're constantly working in an office or you're staying indoors all the time you're not going to get the exposure to the light and you're not going to allow yourself to wind down and chill out so Getting into the habit of getting outside for half an hour a day and just allowing yourself to soak up the sun. Go for a walk. Get that light. Like, look up into the sky. I don't look into the sun, but look up into the sky and get that light in your eyes and on your skin. The best way to do this is in the natural peak of your cortisol rhythms. So if you're having a hard time falling asleep, get outside first thing in the morning when the sun comes up and get that light on your body. And this is going to naturally help peak your cortisol and it's going to allow you to reset your natural rhythms in your body. Then you want to make sure that you take a break from electronics. Electronics all affect the different vibrations that happen in your body. They affect all... um, (laughs) We we don't give enough credit to... um, the lifestyle that we have changed with the introduction of computers, electronics, wireless technology and, and the impact this is having on our hormones and the way it's happening on our body. So take a break from electronics, chill out and just 
step outside and walk away from those sorts of things and just enjoy yourself and enjoy the day just for half an hour a day. So some other things to do to help so to help you wind down. So say that yep you want to do this and you want to allow yourself to um, you know just start to pay attention to your sleep. So ideally say you want to go to bed at 10 you want to be asleep by 10 o'clock. So two hours before 10 you want to start to wind down. So this means at 8 o'clock you're not turning lights on. This might seem um, like a struggle because naturally when the sun goes down you turn the lights on but instead of turning lights on that are naturally bringing light into your eyes and into your body you want to make sure that you light the house with candles or you light the house with lamps so you're not turning on the main lights in the house because this is going to keep you awake. So the sun goes down, you light the house for enough light that you need to enjoy, but just notice the difference that this has in helping you wind down. Then you want to stay away from electronics, and you want to shut them off, you want to de-stress, you want to get, just allow yourself to get rid of all the day's information and just chill out. So you might want to, um, you may be somebody who wants to chill out with the TV, but don't chill out with the TV and have all the lights on bright and... Um, let that TV really stimulate you and keep you awake. Watch a little bit of TV, turn off some lights, go chill out, read a little bit of a book and do whatever it need, you need to be doing to allow yourself to naturally wind down as the sun goes down. And then before 10 o'clock, before you head into bed, you need to turn everything off. And in your bedroom, you need to make sure there is absolutely nothing electronic near your head or near your bed, and there's no flashing lights, and there's no lights coming in from the curtains. You want to make sure that your bedroom is like a cave. This cave is what allows your cortisol to shut down, and what allows melatonin to be produced. There were studies done where they sh shone a torch on the back of a kneecap at some participants that say, like, I can't remember the time frame, but they shone that light on the kneecaps, and in a dark room in the middle of the night and that light on the kneecap was enough to stimulate cortisol production. So any light coming into your body, whether it's through your eyes or it's on your skin, is enough to increase cortisol and it's enough to shut down melatonin. And melatonin is what's needed to activate the recovery and the repair, to reset the hormones, to um, bring insulin levels down and all these things are so powerful. So just as you need the light, you need to make sure that your bedroom is black. So blackout curtains, if you haven't got blackout curtains to block out street lights or anything like that, throw some sheets up. Make sure your curtains are shutting out any single little bit of light and make sure your bedroom is a cave. No electronics near your head and just allow yourself to fall asleep. And notice the massive difference that this has on your sleep as well. The other things you can do is like sleeping masks. You can put, if you do have a problem falling asleep, put sleeping masks on. Or you can do some simple things where you might have a bath. Um, the herbal tea does it for me. As soon as I have my herbal tea, I just start to wind down. makes such a massive difference. Um, reading a book, just the um, pattern of reading a book where you go back and forth with your eyes is quite a hypnotic thing and allows your body to wind down and relax. So paying attention to, number one, breakfast making sure you've got a really big breakfast. 
Number two, making sure that you've got really good digestion so that you're eating foods that are right for your body, foods that aren't um, stimulating your body, aren't messing with your hormones and your natural rhythms. Making sure that you decrease technology. Make sure that you get light on your body. Make sure that you don't have snacks after dinner. Make sure that you eat dinner three to four hours before going to bed and you wind down. Other things that affect your sleep is caffeine. Um, women in particular have a really hard process in um, breaking down caffeine. And so any coffee you should have should be before 12 o'clock and should definitely be black. Nothing else in it, no sugar, no dairy, no nothing. And it should just be black and you make sure you don't have it after 12 o'clock. Heaps of people have caffeine sensitivities and caffeine is something, coffee in particular is something that... Um, has a cross-reaction with gluten and can be particularly problematic with anyone with digestive problems or leaky gut. So making sure that um, caffeine isn't something that you're intolerant to and if you're having any sort of sleeping problems, either cut the coffee out or don't have it after 12 o'clock. It takes six hours for you to metabolise half of the caffeine that you've drunk. So caffeine is still in your system. 8-10 hours later. So if you're having more than one cup of coffee, which is 100 milligrams of caffeine, it's going to take you a long time for you to break, um, get rid of that caffeine out of your body. And anyone with caffeine sensitivities, it's going to take double that amount of time. So you might be having coffee, but that coffee might be affecting the amount of sleep that you're getting as well. Um, so when it comes to sleep and weight loss and appetite, um, your circadian rhythm controls your growth hormones, your controls your leptin, controls your thyroid. So when you get really good quality deep sleep, you're able to release, um, when you get the sleep, you release growth hormone. And this is what is involved in recovering and repairing your body. You also um, replenish leptin and a proper circadian cycle helps control your thyroid and how well your T3 and your T4 behave in your body. So if you're wanting to lose weight, there is nothing more powerful and more easier than focusing on your sleep and allowing your body to get to bed by 10 o'clock. So if you have any sort of thyroid problems, if you have um, problems feeling um, recovered and refreshed in your morning, if you have blood sugar problems, there is nothing more powerful than making sure you get a good night's sleep. And like I said, if this is the only thing that you focus on, you'll be amazed with the results that you get. People can lose weight just by getting to bed on time. If you were to change nothing else, this could be a huge impact on your entire life. So one night's sleep deprivation can make you as insulin resistant as a diabetic. 48 hours um, of no sleep can affect your blood sugar levels, insulin levels, and just affect your body. This is why when you're tired, you crave carbs and you crave carbohydrates. It's what your body needs. Your body's... Um, Insulin's been all affected, blood sugars are out, and it's what it's craving. So the, when you don't get enough sleep, your leptin gets suppressed, and basically it's going to make you reach for more um, carbs. So if you're having that carbs in the evening as well, it's going to affect your sleep too. So it can be a really vicious cycle if you are having um, that snack in the evening 
and then getting a lack of sleep in, so a snack late in the evening and then a lack of sleep throughout your day and then the whole rest of the, the next day you're craving sugar and carbs. It just ends up constantly, you're just chasing that next blood sugar hit or spike. So come back to your environment. Always come back to what am I doing that's affecting the quality of my sleep? What can I do to improve my sleep? The other really powerful thing for you to um, be aware of is that if you are somebody who does wake up in the middle of the night, if you do wake up, say you're waking up for the kids or you're waking up to go to the toilet, do not turn the lights on. Any light is going to affect your melatonin, it's going to spike your cortisol, it's going to tell your body you're awake. So if you do have to get up, um, like I said, for the kids or the toilets, stumble around, there will be enough light for you to see and do not turn the lights on because it's going to affect how quickly you fall back to sleep and how good a quality that next lot of sleep is going to be when you do actually get to sleep. The other thing that affects your sleep as well is, like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, is actually magnesium deficiency. So having like a um, Epsom salt bath or using magnesium on your skin or taking a magnesium supplement can actually help get magnesium into your bloodstream, can actually help um, with the melatonin and help with um, like getting allowing your body to wind down. And so making sure you are getting enough foods in your diet that are high in magnesium is crucial too. So when it comes to um, your diet and making sure that you are getting a really good quality sleep, you want to make sure that you've got that whole rhythm happening, your circadian rhythm is going to tell you how well your body is able to produce your ghrelin, your leptin. It's going to produce the, um, tell you how well you're able to produce your melatonin. And it's always going to, it all comes, I'm mincing my words here, it all comes back to making sure that you focus on the environment. So make sure you've got everything in balance. The other thing to understand is that your adrenals, which make your sex hormones, and this, the, these all play a really powerful role in like your stress hormones, which is your major one, cortisol. So if you if your hormonal levels are out of balance, so you say you're getting too much progesterone or estrogen, or you're um, you're getting a, like a pregnenolone steal where your body is stealing um, progesterone. Um, Sorry, it's cleaving pregnenolone through your progesterone pathway. So this is meaning that your body's, you're, you're stressing your body more than it's able to actually produce cortisol. And so this is called a pregnenolone steal. And so this is something that happens when you are constantly stressing your body out and it's no longer able to um, keep up with the demands. And so when you are doing this all the time, this is going to affect your sex hormones. This is going to affect the production of your testosterone and your estrogen as well. And so when you are doing this and you're constantly stressing your body out, you're going to affect that and that's going to affect how well you fall asleep. It's going to affect your energy. It's going to affect your mood as well. So in order to balance out your cortisol levels, balance out your progesterone levels, your pregnenol, and make sure that your body's not um, doing that whole pregnenolone steal, it starts with your environment, starts with making sure that you're getting a natural rhythm in your body. You cannot cheat nature. So make sure you bring everything back to wake up when the sun comes up, eat a good meal that's going to fuel you for your day. As the day goes on, you don't you tend to not eat as much. As the evening comes in, you're winding down, you eat enough to be satisfied. 
you chill out, you unwind, you de-stress from the day and you get ready for the next day. Instead of thinking, working late into the night, trying to get all these sorts of things done and then you end up being less productive the next day. Remember, one hour sleep is a loss of one to two hours of productivity, sometimes even four hours of productivity the next day. So get that good quality night's sleep. Your body needs it and it can be make a huge difference on just everything that's going to affect the outcome of your day. Um, the other thing as well is that um, when it comes to like naps, naps are something that um, can be fantastic. Don't make it longer than 20 minutes. 20 minutes is your power thing. And so um, a short nap can be okay to just help energize you. But it's important to understand that you cannot beat a really good quality night's sleep because the sleep proteins that happen when you sleep can be affected when you have just a nap. And so you want to make sure that you're not affecting the way that your body is winding down and the production of that melatonin that happens in the day. So if you are going to have a nap, make sure it's no longer than 20 minutes because you don't want it to interrupt you having a really good evening sleep as well. So... Um, yeah, if, when it comes to making sure you wind down in the evenings, making sure that you get a really good um, routine happening throughout your day and good, some good structure, all these little things are going to make a big difference. The other thing that makes a difference as well is if you are on your computer, use things that block out your blue light. So um, there's a program called Flux that I have on my computer. And this is something that means that I can able to um, stay on my computer till say like eight o'clock, and the the blue light in the computer doesn't actually affect um, my cortisol doesn't affect the like the light stimulus in my in my body, and isn't going to be affecting the way that my body produces cortisol as well. Because so basically, it adjusts the computer screen to a more warmer tone instead of a blue light tone. So if you are somebody who does tend to work on your computer till a little bit later than you should, like myself sometimes, then um, install Flux. So that's F-L-U-X. I think it's flux.com. I'm not sure. Check that out. But um, install that on your computer and it'll make a big difference. Okay, so I think I have answered all the questions that, oh, all the answers, I think I've given enough information there all about sleep. So if you are somebody who that who is struggling with your sleep or you just aren't putting enough attention on your sleep, like we, we're stuck in this mindset of just thinking it's go, 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 we've got to be busy, we've got to be doing this and, and I'll sleep when I'm dead sort of mentality. And like I mentioned at the start, we're designed to sleep Back in the 1900s, we slept half our lifetime and we lived longer. So take that as a take-home message. Give every ounce of appreciation to your sleep. It's one of the most powerful things that you can do. If you are struggling with your weight loss, you're struggling with your energy, you're struggling with your digestive system, start with your sleep. Start with looking at all the ways that you can change things just to help you sleep. Too often we go towards a diet, we think, I've got to lose weight, I'm going to start this next diet, I'm going to start this next thing. Get out of that mindset and just focus on sleep and you will be amazed at the results that you will get when you just start to switch your thoughts. And when you focus on your sleep, you're going to feel better, your moods are going to be better, you're going to be happier and healthier and you're going to be just a much better person and a much 
better you. So this is what it's all about. Um, I hope that has helped you this week. I hope that um, you got a lot out of that um, podcast. If you've got any questions at all, please don't hesitate to get in touch with me. I'm here to help you out. And I would love to hear your questions. If you've got any questions about that episode, I would love to be able to answer them. So until next week, make sure that you sign up to my newsletter. Be part of the Forever Fit community. Get weekly updates on all the new, all the um, latest blog posts, news, recipes, what, everything that's been going on at Forever Fit and in the online gym. And I will see you soon for your next episode.